At SDCF on December 17, 2012, SDCF hosted a discussion of Theatre for Social Change with guests Eric N. and Camilla Forbes, moderated by SDCF Producing Director Ellen Rosconi. Listen in as they discuss their experience in creating theatre to explore social issues and communal events and in founding producing organizations to further this work. Hello, I'm director-choreographer Christopher Gatelli, and you are listening to SDCF Masters of the Stage. This program is produced by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation and presented by the American Theatre Wing. We're here tonight to discuss theatre for social change with Eric N. and Camilla Forbes. Um, you all have, if you picked up a program outside, you all have their bios in front of you, but just as a brief descriptor for our online audience, um, uh, Eric N. is a director, and, and uh, is, sorry, a playwright, a teacher, an educator, um, has founded several um, organizations and also the RAT movement, um, and his work, Solography, a compilation of his genocidal plays, are, or not genocidal plays, plays about genocide. Um, <laughs> no one died in the process. <laughs> uh, was just performed down at La Mama for the first time in, in totality. Um, and Camilla Forbes is one of the co-founders and artistic director of Hip Hop Theater Festival. She's also a Tony Award winner for Deaf Poetry Jam on Broadway, um, which she was a producer, of which she was a producer. Um, and directs all around the country and also has expanded Hip Hop Theater Festival to include work in LA, Chicago, Washington DC, San Francisco, um, around the country. So these are two really innovative artists who uh, work in totally different ways. I mean, your, your work is not alike, I wouldn't say at all, although maybe you will, maybe you disagree. Um, but at the core is a sense of community and spirituality in a way, and um, a belief in something that's, of theater as a vehicle for something larger than oneself. So, with that, and now you can disagree with everything that I've just said, <laughs> um, my first question for you both is, and, and you should all feel free to jump in, we do like this to be more of a conversation than an interview, um, but for each of you, is theater the goal or is it the means? In other words, is there is there a hierarchy of art an issue? Hmm. 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 <laughs> is there a hierarchy of art an issue? Um, well, I'll say this. I feel like, you know, that's a that's a really loaded question yeah. and a very big and broad question. And I don't I feel that the, theater for me is a means of Communicating. I mean, there's. I, I, I was. I was inspired by theater, by the possibility of, of transformation. So I guess in that sense, it is a means. I think it is a means. I think that um, you know, especially since we are talking about sort of theater and social change, I always want to unpack what that means and what that looks like. How does theater play a role? You know, is the work the act of social change? Is the process the act of social change? Is what comes after the theater the act of social, you know, so, I, I, but I, but in personally, I think in my own work um, and what I am inspired by, um, I, and I'm going to change that answer, I think it's all of that. I think it's both. I think it's not either or. I think it's and, and. Yeah. So, uh, so art and I, issue I think art. art and issue, art and issue weigh equal, weigh, weigh equal amounts. 
um, in, in, in the work that I feel passionate about. Uh, I think theater is a means, but so, so is life. And it, it's about as serious as life is, which is not, not very. It's a, it's, a, it's a light thing. I, w- I was reading a very odd um, biography of Eve Klein, and a repeated quotation is, uh, the body is the theater of the word. That there's this faith that there is something essential that's meaningful, abstract, and deliberate, uh, and much larger than um, anything we see or say or do in uh, uh, working things out, in working out that, that word. So I believe in deep meaning and connectivity and, and speech. Um, but I think this act of speech is beyond my control and beyond my absolute understanding. So theater is something to, to do on, on the way to falling into the word. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And could you fall into the word any other way, or do you feel like theater is so ingrained in you? You fall, you f- one falls into the word by every other way. Um, but this is where I think we're, we're um, really aligned in a, in a way that hip-hop, to my shallow understanding of it, is um, uh, driven by a passion for the word. And and theater, as I understand it, is is that way too. That uh, by putting a body up on stage, you're making it something to be something to be read. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so uh, for myself, the the means the my means of reading and my means of writing is is theater. But it, it's not any more precious or important than than sports or. Uh, cooking or any other discipline. In terms of what Eric was just saying, mm. to go off what Eric was just saying. Oh, sure, I'm sorry. Um, you talk about how, how hip-hop is very akin to Shakespeare in a way mm. because of that language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the intricacy, you know, I, um, I fell into, um, I guess, uh, I wrote my first rhyme, I'll say, I'll say this, um, uh, when I was in the seventh grade, and, you know, it was in a poetry class um, in which we were learning about iambic pentameter and, um, uh, you know, ellipses, uh, metaphors, similes, etc., and and I realized and fell in love with this culture called hip-hop, and not just, and, and that's when I kind of fell in love with the art form of hip-hop, and I think that, and that's when I wrote my, my first little lyric, um, it was horrible. Um, I went on to join a rap group, which we were also equally horrible, um, and then realized that maybe in theater I could have a little bit more success. Um, but it, that's all to say that um, there was a power, a cultural also movement and power, which, you know, yes, there's the art form, but I feel that there's also, hip-hop is a social, cultural, a, a cultural and social movement, um, which to me also 
is what drives and attracts me. Mm -hmm. um, and so therefore, I, I, that's how I identify myself also with the culture. Um, and I always want to make that distinction because a lot of times when, when we talk about hip hop, especially in this sort of contemporary arts context, it's always rap music and it's so much a larger living, breathing culture um, with hierarchy, with politics, um, with possibility of change, possibility to affect change, not only on a national level, but also on a global movement level. Um, and, and I think that theater, um, you know, to, to Eric's point as well, can also have that same possibility. So with this combination of, of the work that I think that excites me, um, of, you know, work by for um, a generation that's working inside of a cultural idiom called hip hop, um, there's huge, you know, possibilities on horizons, I think, you know. I was talking to an, an, an opium addict in Ireland once who, who said, um, it's not about the opium. It's about, it's about the life you live mm. while consuming opium. Mm. And, and uh, uh, theater is not plays and hip-hop is not songs, which is another affinity and something I admire about it. Uh, it, it becomes sickening and aggravating when it's about plays or when it's about the business of songs. It's about the, the process, meaning the, the ethic of, of putting it together. What kind of human contracts are you writing on your way to a play? That's much more interesting than a play, and it's, it's the interest in Shakespeare's life. Uh, his plays are fantastic, but as, as problems, uh, they're, they're very enticing, as ways of, of luring people into behaviors together over a period of time. It's very enticing. And then it's, a, it's about a condition of attention rather than, than the quality of the object per se. So all of Shakespeare's plays need to be cut or most of them need to be hammered at to, to make them fit on stage. Um, uh, but that's not the, the, that's not the problem of the plays is not a problem of the process or the quality of attention. They might be the, the, the cause of the delight, actually. So something that's, that's rough and tumbling over itself and too much um, can be can be great theater or probably great hip-hop, I would think. Can you, have you had experiences where your work has been too much or tumbling over or? Only. <laughs> <laughs> My work is very inept. It's very, it's very clumsy, but I, a hero of mine um, was like Ian Drury, this club-footed guy, or, or, uh, or Gene Vincent with his, his broken leg, that uh, my work, my work stumbles, but um, there there is a path that uh, is walked well with a limp or a stumble. It's, so it's like the Red Skelton routine where he 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 says here's a, here's how a drunk walks, and then he says here's how a drunk walks in an earthquake, and he walks in a straight line. And my my plays are like my plays are like a drunk in an earthquake. They they wobble, but I try to I try to walk where the wobble fits the wobble of the earth. Mm. Do you think that's allowed you to be? I mean, you're very you're you're a, a um, particularly prolific artist for theater, certainly. Um, do you think part so of that is? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I was just at, I was going to ask: is, is that attitude has that enabled you to be more prolific? Um, 
than you would have been otherwise, if you were always waiting for that, if you didn't accept that limp? Hmm. Um, I, like, I like to write a lot uh, for d two reasons. One, one is an, uh, somehow an acute awareness of the brevity of life. Hmm. So I'm falling. I'm just falling through a brief window of time, and I've got to get it, get it out there. Um, and then I, there, there is something in the sound of Coltrane or Charlie Parker, where there, there's something terrier-like about it, where there's this, this mania for the sound, this mania for this very precise sound, and it's like um, a vanishing point that you'll never really get to it, mm. but uh, it keeps seeming to be close. So you, you hurry up. You, you keep hurrying up. So uh, uh, sane, many sane writers go slower to greater effect, but something in my character uh, falls fast and uh, moves with desperation. And Camilla, you, you like Eric also kind of work in many different ways on many different projects at once and, mm -hmm. and have your arms around a lot of things, mm -hmm. which I think everybody does these days, but you you do more so than than most, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Um, what has enabled you to do that, and what does that enable you to do, or has <laughs> that been a hindrance at times? Enabled? I don't know if it enables me to sleep much, <laughs> but um, I think it's, you know what it is? I think it's, that was... I think th 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 how I justified it to myself is that it's more so out of necessity okay. why I do and have my hands in so many things. I think I started the festival out of necessity. It wasn't, you know, uh, it was necessity at that there was not a place that I could showcase or go to work that was immediate, was about na me and, and now and myself reflected on stage. So, you know, as many theater companies start, you start it yourself and you make it yourself. So therefore, you get, you know, then you're running a theater company or, or, or presenting a theater festival. Um, and, and directing out of, I think, came out of that same way, out of necessity of, of wanting to be able to, what happens when I am helping to carve and and, and to uh, put forth a vision on stage and put part of be part of that side of it? Um, I think was out of for me out of a sense of necessity. So um, what it has allowed me to do is to kind of have a holistic understanding of the process um, from producerial. Um, to directorial, um, I, I came into this field as an actor, so it has allowed me to have sort of a 360 view, like, oh, okay, yeah, I've tried on that cloak before, I know what it feels like, so I, I can understand and relate um, and fit into the puzzle piece, I feel better. I mean, you, you always hit bumps, but mm -hmm. I think that's what it has afforded me, I think, if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and do you feel like uh, you both have founded organizations, so was that, Eric, was that also a necessity for you to move your work forward? And do you think that was at all related to the, to the, to the kind of work you were doing? Um, I, I think that uh, the, means, the means of production is your, is your script that, that a, the words on a page, the words as formatted, formatted on a page, are are meant to induce a means of production. So, this fascination with festivals, for example, is very 
current and is going to save save the world if done properly. Um, given the localized world or the the overabundant world right now, there's a great um, uh, yearning for uh, navigation, for um, uh, systems that can reflect complexity um, uh, without yielding to it. So in terms of the shape of plays and the shape of festivals and probably a you know good hip hop is like a a, a hip hop um, event is is like a festival of language a, a, a song or a, a rap is a festival of language um, uh, these things are meant to be replicable but but irresolvable like a like a circle um, so my my plays are bent bent that way are bent around continually tur- turning and trying never to stop and they need to be presented in festival circumstances because audiences like environments where they're missing something and where they're also selecting something mm. and i think this is what people like in good in good rap or uh, hip hop again excuse me for for naivete but um the fact that you can't quite get it all mm. is part of the allure of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means you're it means you're someplace. Mm. You're you're in an environment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Not in a brand. Right. Right. Speaking of the audience, um, is it? Have you had instances where? Uh, let me just say here. I have to find a specific question. I'm sorry. Oh, have there been specific productions or performances where you feel your audience is all is the already converted, um, or times when they are decidedly from a different viewpoint from what your work is trying, you know, has at its core? Hmm. I think yes and yes, and and I think the question is that is always what do we consider converted? Like, what, what do I feel politically or socially what my work is saying? And ultimately, what I might consider, or, or work that we presented, what I might consider converted might not be what someone else considers. You know, they find likeness in, in the thematics. Um, but I'll give an example even, and I think we talked briefly about this. We presented a work of um, a, our other co-founder, which was a solo piece called Taking Over, um, by Danny Hawk. It was a, his most recent solo play um, and it was we co-presented with the public theater but we also did a, a community-based tour um, because it was important to not only it was a, the piece was about gentrification in his neighborhood in Williamsburg um, of which he was a resident for 15 years and then prior to that he, he grew up in Queens he's a na- native New Yorker so really talking about sort of the changing faces of communities around New York but particularly this most recent wave um, in urban centers around the country so so the question, it becomes complex, right? Because he is coming from a viewpoint of native New Yorker and talking about this idea of gentrification, yet he is a white male. Mm-hmm. So in many communities, he is the face of gentrification. So, you know, just even within the, the nature of the work itself became a very complicated conversation. Um, and so, you know, when presenting, and we, we did the show in the Bronx, we did it at Hostos, we did it in Queens, um, also in Williamsburg, in this huge high school auditorium. It was completely free and open to the community because um, 
we were very certain that it was important that it was presented in the community and not necessarily forcing people to come down to you know lower manhattan and it's like oh, i've never been there you know why why if if the what's the purpose of the work is it about you know sharing stories so anyway um so it became a very complicated conversation in, in that respect um but very rich at the same time and 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 I mean, in that case, in Williamsburg, did you have people kind of on both sides of the of the? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It was a thousand seat theater and was completely full with all of the walks of life of of you know from um, you know Puerto Rican families that were there that have lived around the corner from the high school for years. Um, you know, young kids, young like high school, eighteen to twenty five. Um, you know, older uh, or younger you know, hipsters who've just moved to the community. So it was a very interesting mix who, you know, um, and became a very interesting kind of complex. The complexity, I think, of, of many social conversations were had just sitting in that theater. Can I ask a question? Sure. Um, do, you, do you think your theater had to leave the theater in order to communicate with those people? Or um, communicate with anyone who... I think it had to leave that theater, yes. Okay. To have that conversation, yes. Absolutely. And in general, just tag along with Sean's question, okay. do you, have you found the venue, I mean, you're going around to all different places, yeah. does the venue, does the type Absolutely, of venue have yeah. a huge impact? Um, with the work that we've done with the festival, so we, we produce here in New York as well as in Washington, D.C. We collaborate with organizations from the Kennedy Center to Studio Theater to um, the 930 Club to raw warehouse spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and, it's, and we're very aware of what a space can do as far as the invitation and the non-invitation. Um, and so how do we, number one, bridge that gap and have that conversation? Or how do we create a whole new space? And I think that's, that's what I'm always very interested in because, you know, brick and mortar it, it can be very intimidating. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and it's like, why should I come if, if this isn't, it's like a church. I mean, I think as theater is church. It's holy, it's sacred space. Um, and you just don't walk into any church. You know, there's certain churches that you feel safe and at home for a myriad of reasons. It might be the choir, <laughs> might be the pastor, it might be I grew up in this church. So I think we have to understand, and I think we work constantly and figuring it out, and we make mistakes, and some projects work better than others, but really understand okay, how are we thinking about this space? What is the kind of mix and curation of audio? I mean, it's just as much as a cre creative process as I think what's happening on the stage is how we curate that space, you know? Um, and it takes thinking and planning and um, more intentional than just handing out flyers um, to, you know, urban neighborhoods. You know, it's far more of a bigger, broader conversation than that, so. Actually, could I ask a question? How do you get the word out? Um, we built a community, I think, over the years. Um, so it's less about getting the word out than it is about, okay, no, we are all family now, um, and there's trust and environment. So it's so it we've gotten to a place in some cities and some and some festivals in which our community will move with the festival. Um, so sometimes space doesn't matter, but then other plays, it, some other projects, it does. Um, 
And, and I think it's, you know, Donna Walker-Kuhn always talks a bunch about, you know, audience development and how that is so much of a commitment. Um, and it's less about, and we've learned that over the past. We've been producing here in New York. It's a short time, and the time of theaters is for 12 years. But um, over those 12 years have, have built a, I, I would consider them family of, you know, whether I know them or not. Does that, um, but that, yeah, that makes sense. With the show that you did in Williamsburg about the gentrification, what was the aftermath? Mm. Was there any feedback from the community? Sure. Did they organize to sure. do anything? Was there any kind of uh, <coughs> political stuff that yeah. happened as a result? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I know that they were definitely organizing. Uh, organizing uh, organizers who attended the show, and, and we also had a, a facilitated panel discussion um, with community organizers, um, um, housing developers, even to have this sort of cross line conversation um, that was as almost a safer place to have in the context of a play <laughs> than it would be in a context of a com you know a conversation. So it it. it I think in that respect, um, there was definitely some cross-the-lines speaking happening that didn't necessarily happen so amenable before. Um, as far as, like, you know, stated action plans and um, policy in place, I'm not quite sure exactly what that ripple effect was, but um, at least for the time of the play, that people were able to hear and see and cry with their stories and laugh with their stories and have that, you know, hour and a half of catharsis, which was also pretty transformative as well. And do you, in terms of the, of, this would be for each of you, um, are you, is your, goal is the wrong word, but is your aim to just simply comment and start dialogue or to move the dialogue in a particular direction or to have, you know, something broader or, or more specific come out of that? Um, you know, what what's success? Uh, well, going to, going to an earlier point, I'm, I'm not... I, I'm not at risk of speaking to the converted because I don't make any sense. That it, 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 no one can understand it, really. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in, in speaking to the converting, to people who are, are turning, that image of someone who is open and is turning and turning and turning. So I'm not interested in moving a conversation laterally, like uh, ad advancing this point of view to that point of view. I'm interested in bending people towards compassion, moving people towards compassion, which is a state of not knowing and leaving yourself. Um, so, so theater, for me, is not very good at, at changing policy, hmm. but it's good at preparing people for the new world, hmm. that people are, are open and suffering together and aware of each other. They're present. They're ecologically minded. And then from that, good thinking will emerge. Mm. Right. Mm. From that, they can make their own. Yeah. They can take it wherever they they the next step. Not quite wherever, because it's spring. The the spring wellspring is is compassion. So it it probably wouldn't lead to radical solipsism or or or, or selfishness, um, which which a lot of commerce does lead to. It actually encourages. Yeah. Yeah. 
I love that what you're saying, Eric, because it, that's exactly right. I mean, the kind of I think spiritual elevation and magic that happens within the four walls of the theater um, does something shifts something so much deeper. I think on a, a to me a very spiritual the possibility I should say to shift something so much deeper like on a spiritual level that that sometimes may not just it, it may not oh because of this play you know this policy was changed I, I, I don't know if it's if it's that direct or that prescriptive um, I know that it can be sure. um, and and there are some organizations who that is their work that is their aim um, but I think intrinsically it has a, a so much of a bigger shifting power. Um, I mean, there's obviously organizations and artists, like I think about like Marty Pottinger and the kind of work that she does, working directly in with mm. um, communities of conflict, organizations of conflict, um, and, and literally reflecting your story versus your story so that we can have a story and have a conversation and like literally have very clear goals on, on, on what the work will, what the suggested outcome is. Or even something like the Exonerated, you know, as a, as a contemporary right. example. Mm -hmm where it feels like there is a drive to, to a certain place, mm -hmm. I guess, in terms of the issue, you know, in terms of the death penalty. Sure, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think of, um, uh, we also did a play on a, uh, uh, or w we're involved in a process on the, the pressures of test taking with New York City High School, stu uh, New York City High School student, uh, two of our high school partners with our organization, and started workshopping this work with the um, sophomores and juniors, um, and. It, it was about, you know, using Bawal technique, reflecting stories, collecting, you know, to, to having this conversation about the pressures of test taking. Um, and, and the end result wasn't about the play at all. Um, I could care less what the product looked like. I think the the social change and transformation that was really happening was in the room with the students being able to express and share their stories. So I think in a lot of different processes, just to point out, in a lot of different processes, the goals are very different, mm. varyingly different. And I think it's important to have very clear conversations on what goals are, um, what are ex expected goals, um, because as sometimes as certain theater folks have very expected goals, um, whereas community members may say, well, that's... That's not my goal, you know. My goal isn't to make a beautiful, fabulous production with, you know, 150 lighting cues and a wonderful set that rolls it, you know. It, so I think it's very important, I think, when we talk about this idea of theater for social change, where particularly theater companies that are working within community, mm -hmm. that conversation of equity and expected outcomes are very clear. Because um, I've been in situations where they haven't been, and it's been a very murky and almost not the expected outcome or forward movement that we had wanted. So. Mm. Right, and we are all, you know, in non-for-profit, you're certainly, you need to have expected outcomes. Sure. You need to have some sort of goals ahead of time. And even in, you know, commercial theater, the goal is to make your investors money. So yeah. there always is some expectation of goal in the to start off. Absolutely. Um, how about let's let's talk about process because both of you are very interested in process. As you say, on some projects, Camilla, process is that's what the project is. It's about the process. Um, and Eric, you're particularly interested in process. Um, so can we talk about what your process is? And I'm sure that varies from project to project. <laughs> well. Um uh, there was a. We started a little conversation about 
about theaters and uh, appropriate venues, and um, uh, it relates in a way to process that uh, uh, a good old-fashioned Broadway theater can be a fine place, can be incredibly alive, of course, um, and so can a, a barn loft, and so can a, a street corner. Um, what a place, what it must be is a place, meaning it is it is vulnerable to change. It's an ecosystem. It's vulnerable. And most theaters have shut themselves away from vulnerability. Mm. They're adamant about vulnerability. They're not vulnerable to light. They're not vulnerable to time. Um, they're not vulnerable to behavior. That people are locked in, in the dark, and... Uh, uh, experience, except for what the experts are pumping at you, is is shut is shut down. Um, uh, uh, and you need a a, a place a, which is alive, and you need um, presence, which is um, let's see a, a circumstance in which you need something that's not you. So you don't need your preconceptions, and you you aren't anticipating your judgment at the end of it, where the play is kind of an interruption or um, uh, uh, some kind of soap, dish soap, to fuel the machine of your your aesthetic hygiene while you kind of um, scrub the matter in front of you and come out with the, your your uh, squeaky plate at the at the end of it. Um, so uh, process process for me is about. Uh, Presence, discovering presence and place, meaning um, creating an environment of trust in which people can come out of themselves and pay attention to um, uh, the world in which they find themselves. So I rely on, it's not about the converted and the unconverted, it's about the loving and the loveless. Right? That uh, I, I use love not in a, in a spangly kind of way, I, I use it in a in, a, in terms of craft, mm -hmm. loving in the sense of uh, disposed to the other. Um, uh, there are people I've been working with um, my whole life, and I, I don't need to be promiscuous. I, I don't even need an audience that's much beyond the handful of people that I love as an artist. Um, uh, so that, that's, my, that's my economy and process, this, this um, falling out of self. And when you talk about that, are you? Uh, is it? Does that apply to both the artists that you're working, you know, with whom you're working, and the audience? The audience is is the accident of the explosion of love. That whoever is caught up in that energy is welcome. Mm -hmm. But I, I'll be honest. This is not an advertisement for an aesthetic because it pro it probably doesn't make much sense. It's probably not sustainable. But really, what I care about are the actors in rehearsal, actors, directors, designers, producers, in rehearsal. That's really the audience of the piece. And to whatever extent the audience can be made a co-creator of the event through conversation or through uh, cultural affinity, uh, you know, they they feel a part of theater. Um, then, then they're enfranchised too. I guess I always thought of, and um, I always thought of kind of theater with a with a social conscience as having more of a compact between the audience and the artists. Mm. But what you're saying, that's not true for you at all. Well, a social compact can't be like <coughs> handing stuff out. Right. Um. Uh. So. Uh, 
a th theater isn't therapeutic in the American medical sense of it. It's not a pill that's administered to people that kind of corrects a deficit in them. If it, if it is of social import, it's because it's been made socially. Theater as an agent of social change is in how it's made and where it is. It's not about what it does, some kind of chemical thing that it does. Mm -hmm. Um, this isn't a question, but it, just from what you said now and what you said earlier on about the globalization of hip-hop, I just wanted to share something that absolutely amazed me in Chile, in a tiny little town, but not in any of the big places. There was this young man who was in his early 20s who had the soul of a 50 five-year-old. I mean, really, he was an amazing being. And he used hip-hop. Every night, he would go down to the little plaza, and there would be these kids younger than he who were drug addicts. And he used the hip-hop. I mean, he did use a pill, <laughs> in a way. The hip-hop got them in excited about it and learned and did it. And not the dance, but the, the word, the rap. And it changed them. They came out of it. It gave them a meaning to their lives. It gave them a certain social context that had nothing to do necessarily with their culture, yeah. but certainly with their deep being. Yeah. It, was, it was amazing. Mm, wow. So that's yeah. just a yeah, that's great. This young man was. Yeah, <laughs> but it is their culture. I mean, hip hop is successfully a global culture. Definitely. It is. This with local manifestation. Absolutely. The, the we were in uh, Rwanda. There were people I've been to Rwanda with in in the room, and and um, uh, you know, the, there's this element of, you know, this Mother Teresa thing that you come with. That I'm here. I'm so compassionate. I've come to heal. You let's talk about how bad you feel, and let's let's really. I will know we're talking about genocide when I can console you. That 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 that's that's when we're having a truthful exchange. Right. When I feel better than you, a little bit be better than you. So we were having a conversation like that about, and uh, there's a national narrative. They'll pull it out of their pocket and give you the genocide narrative. Um, but what people were really doing when all that blather was down is they were they were on YouTube looking at hip-hop videos and um, learning learning moves from Brooklyn in Kigali and teaching them to each other and being alive being alive in that so that was much even though it was from a laptop it was much more culturally live mm. they were in a stronger place than I was with my mother Teresa fantasy right. mm. How does the globalization of all of that affect affect your work? Uh, or does it? Maybe it doesn't. Uh, I'm not so scared of globalization. I mean, it's 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 happen it's happening. So it's like being afraid of rain, or so. it's gonna it's gonna happen. Um, you just have to know how to dress for it, I guess. You you know you you 
given that this is the environment, how are you going to work inside of it? And this is, again, where live performance is really it, uh, gaining heat right now. I, I, it's not a fantasy. I really feel it. Um, uh, given that the world was uh, abruptly sh sheathed in saran wrap, there was this, this even antiseptic surface that was stretched around the world, this internet phenomenon, people are needing to incarnate again. They're needing to get to get into room, into actual rooms with Tactile, people. With people yeah, and exactly. flesh and blood and body. You yeah. really do feel that? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the next big thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Being in rooms together. <laughs> it's a revolution. It is, yeah. Yeah. Can we talk just for a minute about um, your use of other... Uh, Eric, specifically, your use of puppetry in your plays, and Camilla, your use of song, you know, dance and song sure. elements, not just text, um, and how you use those. Um, sure, I, I think it all depends on, I guess, obviously, the work. Um, but again, like I've been fascinated with language, um, as many of us in theater are. Um, so when I think about song, to me, song is really language. Um, I work a lot with um, artists who work in the spoken word idiom, and to me that's just like the richest language and song and music that I, that I can hear to my ears. That's what poetry sounds like. I, 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 I hear it in that way. Um, so, and, and I think, you know, you, I, I, I approach, it's interesting, I, I approach language like I would probably approach movement. I look at language as movement, and I look at movement as language. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, yeah, so when working with, you know, choreographers and, 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 and dancers, it's always about, well, what is the story that we are telling with our bodies? How is this, what is, what is the meaning, what is the story, and... Um, behind that, and I work with the various different, you know, um, from folk, Haitian folk choreographers to modern, contemporary, hip-hop breakers, poppers, lockers, but it's all about, to me, when, when, when looking at movement, it's about story. Mm -hmm. And I think when looking at language, it's about movement. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I like, I think I like puppets because I like, I like uh, difficulty. I, other, other people make hay in other ways but I, I like difficulty and the image that comes to mind is is um, uh, the mouth of a baby where the a teething baby it's such it's a difficult environment that mouth is such a problem all day long it's a problem um, uh, but it's elemental to the child's formation that period of life that that discovery of will that it probably the discovery of thinking comes around around this time of teething. Like, what the what the <laughs> heck is that going on? Um, it's difficult and also very simple. That the the idea is to emerge into the world, to connect to the world, mm -hmm. to get what's not to get what's not you through this thing that suddenly becomes so problematic. And and puppets are like that. They're really hard to work with. They're. They, they won't do anything on their own. You gotta, you gotta tell them how to do everything, and and they're hard to build. They're hard to produce. They're hard to market. But I like, I like that. Dif I like that difficulty. That's for me. That's 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 where the energy is. Yeah. You know. 
And you're kind of imposing that difficulty on your Let's on your all artists, have right? a bad time together. <laughs> it'll, it'll be okay. Okay. And the be pudding at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask a question about, um, because both of you have done, you know, considerable projects that I'm sure required all of you in the mm. moment to mm. make that work. And I think that's what theater uh, requires of us, is that you sort of put your whole self in, right? What do you do when you move on from a project and there is um, most likely a social change or, a, or a, um, some significant catalyst happened in that project? What, you know, how do you disconnect and release or how do you keep it going? And what do you do with the movements that you've started when you move on to a new project? Hmm. I guess the question is, how do you define moving on to a new project? Mm. That's what I, that's what I would ask. Yeah. You know, I think it's, and I and I ask myself that same question: Does it happen on closing night? Is right. that our moving on point? Yeah. Is it is it is there a connection to the conversation that is continually happened from the ripple effect? Right. Um, so, with that being said, it, I, I think I, you know, and I, I know I, I have attachment issues a little bit from growing up, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I, it's hard for me to disassociate yeah. with projects because of that same reason, because I, I, I get very invested, not just in the process of the art making, but in the conversation. So, I feel that I never move on from different projects because I feel like the conversation is always so alive still within me as an artist, within whatever community ripple I've created, what I, what I learn I've carried with me and, and continually take on that conversation, um, whether it's, you know, directly or indirectly, if that makes sense, yeah. It's hard to disconnect for me, personally. Uh, I like working with, in, in uh, large arcs, so uh, the RAT conference, for example, was 10 years, and that seemed like like a good length of time, and now I'm working with Arts in the One World, which is in the eighth year, and it'll probably go for another couple of years. I've been going to Rwanda, Uganda, for nine, year, nine years. Uh, the Saint plays are a set of plays I've been writing, and the goal is to write them through my whole, whole life. So, um, uh, really, by the time anything comes to an end, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to move on, ready to move on. Um, or I don't let it, I don't let it end. But I try not to think in, in terms of, uh, 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 spikes of spikes of event. There's a horizon you're going towards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, both of you happen to work with youth, or at least youth, um, in terms of the average theater goer or the average theater maker, right? Um, how would you say that... Uh, how do they see theater and what interests them in theater and what kind of work do they want to make in your experience? I think the same kind as any average other theater goer. I think, you know, seeing themselves and stories reflected on stage, it being good, well produced, well directed, you know, I think it's, it's all the same it's all, we're all looking for the same thing in theater. I do think that, you know, I, you know younger audiences are, are um, you know, I think it's about, like, again, we all want to see ourselves and our stories reflected. I think that's, that's the only, another caveat, but so do older audiences. So do average, it's just that there's more of those plays that are, that are available just, you know, due to our industry, but, yeah. 
Um, I, I think uh, a lot of people apply to schools and send plays to theater having theaters having no idea what that theater produces or what that school is actually like. They're convinced that that's what they want, but they don't they don't know why. And and uh, even more broadly, people I see young people coming up who want to be in the theater. They'll say, "I want to be in the theater," but if you pro if you probe that, they really have no sense of what the theater is. Uh, so, a, a lot of it's been kind of in inherited. It's, there's this kind of cult cultural yeah. ambience that promotes a kind of fame or, or canonical safety. So it's like you know, three year old girls out of the blue want wanting a Barbie. It's it's it it was in the air. It came by and it came by peripherally they, but these these signifiers were hammered into their brains um, what they do want I, I agree with you that they, they all in some sense they all want the same thing which is they want to mean something They, and this is what's so beautiful and has to be sustained They, the, the appropriate mystification is they don't know quite what they mean but they want to mean it so they have to be together to some come to some kind of meaning that can be held in common, that can be held in a system that's larger than their own brains. And where theater is defeating or or disappointing, or there's that uh, you know uh, what well, it was. Salvage Vanguard had that bumper sticker saying, "I hate theater." And uh, we had an interview with Adrienne Kennedy the other day, and she said, "You know, I hate theater." She, she said, and. What she means is theater as an emblem or as an answer or as a stopping point, a, 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 a fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And you can love it as long as you're unfulfilled. You, you've mm -hmm. got go to go yeah. towards the unfulfillment of it. Mm -hmm. Because if you capture it, then you've killed it. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But how do you, so then how do you cope? But you're saying they want to mean something, but they don't know what they want to mean, or they don't... How Isn't that beautiful? What a shape is, that is. That's, it mm, that's a it is. It's, it's, but how do you then kind of nurture that in people? How do you start to draw that out? How do you help them start to draw that out? How does one find that? I, I believe that humans are by nature a self for others. So you encourage them to be themselves. And in my, as, as a teacher, if I have any knack, it's, it's to confess to my radical ignorance and my uh, modest talents and uh, uh, try to make a space in which the students can become themselves. Mm -hmm. I have nothing to impart, um, uh, uh, but uh, maybe I can, I can open space and keep opening spaces. Every time they try to s settle on an answer, I can keep saying it's big, it's larger than that, or it's broken from that. Um, so making... Sp a play is meant to make space. A classroom is meant to make space. It's not meant to fill things up. Um, and Camilla, from what you're saying, the the answer that everybody, you know, in terms of producing, everybody's always looking for younger audiences yeah. or <coughs> hipper audiences. Yeah. I hear that one more time on yeah. the screen. Yeah. Hipper audiences. Yeah. You know, they they yeah. they've defined who they want before they've ever even opened their doors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, mm. But you're saying you do that by reflecting 
I think reflecting on sta- it's 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 holistic. It's it's bigger than just reflecting on stage because even if you just do a play that may have some semblance of a whatever well, hip you define as hip, it, it's not that. It's it's there's a whole and I, and I go back to the you know the reference of like theater being a church or like even a party. You know, it's if you want certain different kinds of audiences in, who's doing the asking? Mm. Who's throwing the party? I'm just not going to go to any party. I don't know about y'all, but, you know, I'm going to go to my friend's party, who I know, um, because people will be there that I know that I can commune with. So I think it's, you know, we have to think about it holistically, the whole gamut of what of what this space is, that sacred space that we're creating, and treat it as such. Um, because I think when, when we only think about one part of it, it's it's almost, almost bastardizing the space. And saying, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want hipper yeah. audience, so I'm gonna do this and big splash. You know, I'm gonna add a different splash of color on my flyer. What? Right. It's grotesque, really. It's, if yeah. a if a space is sacred, that means it's ambient. It's everywhere. If yeah. it, the sacred is everywhere, mm. or it's not the sacred. It's mm. it's uh, it's ornamental. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of a world religion that didn't cut its get its stripes. Uh, in the days when it was itinerant, when it was poor and wandering. So maybe theater needs to be more ambient or more poor and wandering. This idea of attracting new audiences or attracting hipper audiences belies a a deeply mistaken situation for the theater and puts it in line with, like, big tobacco, where we've got to get younger smokers now. We've got to... um, uh, when the fact is, we're, culture has moved beyond tobacco. We got to move. We got to get away from that thing. Maybe theaters are like tobacco, and there's something in them that's that's trying to be addictive, yeah. want to be addictive, right. that they've got to let go of. And instead of attracting audiences, they've got to be where the audiences Absolutely. are. Absolutely, move into the audiences. That's it. And also, that's maybe it. instead of attracting, maybe maybe it should be the other relationship where it's offering them something. Where it's I think it's learning something. It's enriching. Learning, I don't even know if it's that's giving it. because I mean I think that's even a bit you know almost feeling too, yeah. yeah you know like entitled like I and I think you know when theater's at its best it's when we are in a circle of conversation um, and audience and artist are here and equally balanced mm. and yoked and 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 artists being the theater the brick and mortar, all of that, the institution. So it, it is about learning. It's about listening. It, about if you want, if, 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 you're, if you're trying to change the paradigm of your institution, then maybe you need to rethink how your institution is built mm-hmm. and, and rethink who's in your... You know what I mean? There's a lot of rethinking that needs to be done as opposed to just ornamental rethinking. Mm-hmm. Let me hang my new little hip ornament on my Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any kind of advice for somebody who wants to start out and and find, found an organization, you know, start an organization. Oh. <laughs> in the same thing uh-huh. that you have done. I know. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't found an organization. Start a conversation. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and if, the sh- if shapes come up in that conversation that require certain things, then, then it will be light to pick them up. But if your goal is to found an organization, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's horrible. It's like... 
deciding to wake up and grow an exoskeleton or something. But it's, it's going to be painful and probably ugly. You, and you'll have to carry it around. And you have to yeah. carry it around. Yeah, yeah. And probably have to change its shape over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, it's a you know, uh, starting a theater company. Granted, we're still very young. It's it's. It's, it can be a very rough road because we're in tough economic times. So from that standpoint, of question of sustainability is is tough. But that's that's everywhere, right? So as long as the conversation is enriching, I think it makes obviously that tough road a bit more satisfying. Organizations are really new to the history of the world. Really, the only organization we need is a is a, is fellowship. Mm-hmm. Is and we can actually structure the entire world. Um, by linking circles of, of fellowship. Yeah. We don't need anything else. Um, if, if by accident we need some kind of abstract structure, then you know, we'll, we'll relent, but it should be the last thing we do. And yet you've done it. Well, but in these in, you know, inept, self-destroying ways. Yeah. <laughs> Guar- yeah. Guarantee collapse. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, a, what, a, what is a play except a a fatuous organization. I mean, you throw, you put this play together out of materials that are, are destined to collapse. Yeah. And I like, that's what I like about it. Eric, I love what you just said about collapsing and collapsing of organizations. And this is a conversation that we've actually had in our own organization, is this idea of um, time, lifespan and life expectancy. And, you know, we were very clear about the conversation that we were having when we began and have to continually ask ourselves, are we still invested in this conversation? Is this still relevant now? And if it's not, then what does that mean for us? Are we okay to disappear? Um, and I think that, and, and it's, it's interesting, it's exciting, it's scary, it's a little crazy, but, um, I, and it's completely in antithesis to like the theater producing industry because you think of a theater who's been around for a hundred years or seventy five years or fifty year anniversary thirty you know and you get your badges and it's but really I think it's it's almost maybe not so much because maybe there will be a time that there's a new conversation that needs to happen and I need to make space for that. And I may, be not, I may not be the one sparking the ignite. There needs to be other space. So how can I be as solvent and transparent as possible? Well, it makes what you're saying makes, I don't know if you're familiar with 13P, but 13P. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Makes yeah. So it makes sense with what you're saying, where they had a mission, and when that mission was going to be completed, it, it's was, done. it was done. That was we it. did our the job. The organization yeah. then collapses, um, having achieved what they set out to achieve. Right, right. So, um, one last question before we, we, and then we can take a couple. Um, where do you think theater is headed, and what social concern would you, if there is one, would you be excited about exploring on stage? Today? Well, sure. Uh, where do I think theater is headed? That's a really big, uh, uh, theater, I mean, uh, do you know, I really have a lot of, a hope and faith in this idea of what we call theater. And I feel as though we really need to begin to expand what we define as theater um, because it theater happens all the time and not within buildings, within spaces. I mean, and so I feel that, um, and I don't know. I'm, 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 I guess I'm always optimistic for future 
um, of work, um, conversations that I'd love to have. I think it changes from day to day. I'm, I'm interested in engaging in this conversation. I think about our environment, but our environment as it not necessarily as it leads to as it leads to global warming, as it leads to um, gun violence, as it leads to black male brutality. I mean, those are the conversations when I think about our environment and issues in our environment. Um, that's what comes up for me a great deal. So. I'm excited to to be alive right now in in a world that's changing so rapidly and and the next thing in theater is going to be something that is too cool for me. I won't be able to I won't know it when I see it. It and it's coming. I feel like it's around me already and I can't quite see it and that's that's exciting. I think there Oscar Brandt was a a folk singer and uh uh, who you know one of the wave of folk singers who was just wiped out by the Beatles, and I I kind of feel like that that I I have my own kind of integrity. I've got my little banjo. I'm singing my little songs. Um, I'm probably going to be wiped away by the next thing that happens. But as long as there's it's music, or as long as there's creative expression, I'm glad to disappear into whatever is coming next. Personally, what I'm interested in is memorial and silence. That I I think. Um, our ability to remember or to reflect and our ability to with, withhold from articulation, I, those are muscles that I feel need to be exercised right mm-hmm. now. Interesting. Does anyone have any last questions? Yes. You said something um, uh, before about um, how when you're in Rwanda, the conversation, you know you're talking about genocide when I consult. Yeah. And, and a lot of times I feel like Know, I know I've made a piece of theater when I've shown I understand more than my audience. You know, and, and that that feeling of making a play about these issues that you guys are addressing, so often it, it puts me negative. It just feels like such a crap. You know, and what do you what do you do as a person when you keep working when you, you face that feeling of like genocide? Well, because a play is a broken thing, and because metaphors are are like Zen koans, because metaphors are un- irresolvable, because in in my understanding, a play is like a circle where pi never finishes resolving. It's the appropriate place for contemplation of genocide. Then, and, and this, it might even have been on your trip. But I I I was all balled up with that question, and I talked. I talked to a journalist, um, uh, and uh, you know, apologetically, look, I'm just a playwright. You're, you're doing this. He says it's only the language of the poet that can speak to issues like this. That the language of mm. politics and the church and the press were all horribly discredited in the in the genocide, and it's it's the space in not not the positive shapes but the space inside of poetry or or theater that makes it apt to vast subjects like that. It's only a poetic response. You've heard CNN over the past couple of days about that horrific, horrific event. And it it is it's mind-numbing to me. Wolf Blitzer is well-intentioned, but the, my ears are getting packed with all these efforts at facts. Yeah. Mm. When we need one good poet. So Nikki Giovanni, after the Virginia Tech uh, shootings, delivered a speech that was like that long. And it said all it 
that needed to be said. We are Virginia Tech, that ref, ref, refrain at the end of it. Um, the space in her poetry was better than the, the quasi-facts that were shot at it like irradiation. Mm -hmm. And the same is going on right now, I feel. Mm -hmm. If I may, um, one of the things that has stayed with me and that I'm um, wanting to consider, and as an artist as well, is this play as this unfinished product. You know, um, and what I feel that you both are, are have been playing with and moving towards and, and continue to to play with that unfinished thing, right? This impermanent, beautiful, ugly fucked up thing, right, is um, is that, um, and, and wanting to sort of live in that world as well, but contending in a way with sort of the, the brand, you know what I mean, the, 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 even, even that the unpolished should be polished, you know, so even that the broken thing should be pretty enough to be broken. In its brokenness. Yeah, so sort of, you can maybe talk to that, how do you stay sort of alive and you sort of say like you skirt that or you sort of uh, can live in that world long enough to like not feel like I made the thing and it's pretty now but it's not the thing I was going for so what happened you know like how do you trick yourself to still be on top so still or still keep running or still keep you know straight in the wobbly you know mm. straight in the wobbly yeah you know I think it's I think it's, you know, I, I think it's, if, if there's a commitment in, be, in being in a current conversation, and I think it's, it's also kind of why we, I'm, I'm very interested in, in always, is this conversation current? What is, what is this question that we're asking? Are we asking the right question? Is, you know, is this, is, what is the relevancy of this? Is this, you know, is this, does this make my toes curl? Um, and if it, when it ceases to make my toes curl, then how do we change it? So that, that, I mean, as simple as that, that I think I, I and, and I think we all want to strive for that moment of elation, why we even started the theater and the magic that it can create. Um, and when it ceases to do that anymore, how do we change a line? Like, uh, and, 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 like with po poets, they'll, they, every single night, which is why I love the medium, why I love the form, it's immediate, it activates. So you'll see a poet be completely responsive. What will take a theater or some theater artist maybe two, two years to respond, a poet will do it immediately. Um, and, and when the conversation changes and shifts, they will also change and shift with it because their form becomes that malleable. Um, and I think it's my dream and my vision that my, the theater work that, I'm, uh, that I swim in and play with will do that same exact thing. It's a, again a point of a point of um, uh, association here is is uh, it is true that there are kinds of theater that take that are really slow, but that this idea of immediacy is really important. And uh, uh, a play isn't good because it's unfinished. It's it's good because it's present. And sometimes brokenness can improve your presence. The way a paper cut with lemon in it is very is very present it's the it's the woundedness that that makes you al alive in the present so i there's not a there's not a prophet in the bible who wasn't damaged who wasn't the wrong person but they are the person who said when asked here i am 
so that a, that a play or a performer or a performance say here I am is what makes it legitimate in, in my book um, and, and I've seen lots of really well rehearsed well crafted work that was fi just five minutes ago that was just that's not present to the moment that's, that's not cut Um, forgive me because I haven't fully formed the question, but I know what I'm getting at. So um, <laughs> I'm going to find my way there, hopefully, with brevity. Um, I'm interested in this idea of presenting, when we talk about, you know, social change, what is that? How does it happen? I think, um, you know, Gavin Bolton talks about meaning is made together. And, and you had experience with the wall, and so I'm sure that you understand, like, a theater that engages the audience, and this idea of catharsis that you spoke of earlier. Do you think that, oh, and then seeing Eric's play at La Mama, and like there was a space for feedback, but when we're working on a large scale of theater where you're addressing an audience of, you know, thousands or, or whatever, larger numbers, do you, see, do you see a necessity for a space for feedback? Or is the presentation enough? And if you do see space for feedback as a necessary thing, like what what are the strategies or what are the vehicles for that? Does that does that make sense? Sure. Um, and when you mean feedback, I, well, I interpret feedback as conversation. Yeah, dialogue. Yeah? Dialogue, right? Um, and I think dialogue can happen in a number of different ways. I definitely, I definitely um, see that space because I feel as though theater has such, you know, and you brought this up earlier, you know, do we feel sometimes that we talk to the converted? Um, you know, we, we definitely develop sometimes theater communities and always are looking to um, expand beyond our, our own insular you know, theater community um, of people who go to the to the theater or or to the space in which we create, um, and so I think it's very important that um, I'm always interested in how do we what is how do we create what we do as an event so that it is so that it's an open invitation for many different. Uh, people from many different backgrounds and perspectives to have various, various different conversations because I think the, what, what is happening on stage only becomes the spark of the match and, and so what happens when the fire starts to ignite down the, 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 the wick uh, that's, that's where I think the trans true transformation truly happens. So how do, how do those conversations and those spaces also equally get curated um, you know Sometimes is that our responsibility? Sometimes, sometimes not. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily all the time. Um, but I definitely think sometimes for sure. And do you do, do you achieve that just by considering a large audience, or how do you how do you how do you ensure that you're going to do that, create that environment? Um, I think it depends on the work. I and and um so. I'll give you an example, for instance. Um, there was a, a, a work in which um, we were talking about um, pretty huge issues about the foster care system in New York City. Um, the work addressed that, that 
piece, um, we were also preparing to not only tour the work um, through um, NYCHA, which is the New York City Housing Authority. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily also, again, about the work, but it was about, like you talked about, this idea of feedback and or conversation, which is far more important than, you know, the beauty, you know, of the play, but it, but it created space for that to happen, yeah. So, um, Prior to the play um, coming in, there was there were series of conversations around the child welfare system, around conversations about mothers, motherhood, and family, hosted, already curated um, by um, organizations within uh, at, at some of the um, uh, how, homes in which we were hosting the play. Um, so this just became one other piece within that conversation. So within that, so it was a more longer extended, um, I guess, sermon, you know, beyond just our, you know, to our um, creation of, of offering, right? Well, thank you all for coming, and thank you to Eric and Camila. I also want to just mention thank you to Alex Mallory, who helped put this evening together. Um, and thank you all for coming. Thank you for listening to SDCF Masters of the Stage. This program was made possible by support from Stage Directors and Choreographers Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members, and generous funding from the NEA, the New York State Council on the Arts, and the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council.